Hello and welcome back to Minute 2 of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go through the 137 beautiful minutes of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures Airport. Right now we're in Minute 2, as I said before. Uh, I'm Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm <laughs> I'm Mark Cerulli, zoning out. Uh I'm the co-host, uh, writer-producer of uh, CovertOps.tv. And we are going to be going through the whole thing. Right now, we are in the middle of a pile of credits. So it looks like we're going to be talking about everybody that's starring in this movie. And we'll probably concentrate on the primary lead. Yeah. Basically, and... everybody who was anybody in Hollywood was in this film. Yeah, and was free and was actually working for Universal and wasn't involved in something else across town. They are a pretty big lot. I mean, we've got, uh, we already talked about Burt Lancaster and Dean Martin, the big time moneymakers of this show. They each got $7 million for uh, showing up and uh, reading their lines. Third on the list uh, with her own screen credit on top of what looks like a bunch of people plowing snow out on the runway of uh, Lincoln International Airport is Gene Seberg. Jean was uh, very popular at the time. She'd been in a, a bunch of movies. She was in, probably her most famous one was uh, Jean-Luc Godard's uh, film Breathless back in 1960. This was 10 years after that. She had a lot of uh, clout as an international star because of the movie Breathless. Mm-hmm. She had been in a, uh, a movie as a schizophrenic uh, with uh, Warren Beatty. That was Lilith. She was really big at the time, so she was uh, quite a name for the show. She had her own card on uh, on the screen she does an admirable performance here very believable as Bert. well we don't want to spoil the plot too much we'll get into we'll get into her later but her performance is genuine believable and uh you can really feel what she's feeling through most of the movie yep and she's uh, also a, a great looking woman yeah fantastic fantastic for the time she had a kind of a tippy hedron quality about her she was that right. blonde but a little bit more approachable i think uh and uh, she did her she did her job very well in this film unfortunately at the time that this movie was going on it was the middle of the uh vietnam war and uh, she was involved in a lot of the anti-war movement and became kind of a target of the fbi they uh, hounded her through most of her uh, later career in the uh, late 60s eventually driving her to uh, alcohol and drugs uh, possibly a suicide she had overdosed in paris uh, in the late 70s uh, kind of a sad end to a really talented woman but uh, at least we get to enjoy her uh, two hours on screen for this movie and she do- really does as I said before an admirable job next up on uh, on screen is a very young 26-year-old Jacqueline Bissett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, she <laughs> she was pretty impressive. Uh, she had gotten her start with I I'd say the first one that she did was the parody of Bond movies. Uh, she was Miss Goodthighs in a Casino Royale movie. What wow. what studio was that? I don't I don't remember. Columbia. It was I say. it was Columbia. Yeah. I believe so. I remember her from the deep. I remember uh, she did that stunning first scene coming out of the water and then pulling her shirt off with her back to the audience. And I was in this little movie theater in Mount Kisco, New York, and some guy screamed out, turn around! <laughs> 1977. She blew that Oscar right there. Oh, well. Yep. Yeah, she was she was quite a town. I mean, you know, she did have an amazing physique, but she was she does a great... <laughs> She does a great job. I mean, that's an understatement, but she does a yes. great job 
in uh, in this film. It's really impressive how you just when you're watching this movie, every time she's on screen, your your eyes follow her everywhere. She's really she just pulls you right into the movie. And uh, it, one of the movies she had just done just before this, she had done Bullet with Steve McQueen. She was a female interest, and she was also in the Frank Sinatra movie, The Detective. Uh, Frank was in the movie, but he was out with, I think that's just when he was breaking up with Mia Farrow. She was originally going to be in, in the movie, The Detective. She had gotten replaced by Jacqueline Bissett after I think they had a breakup there. Interestingly enough, I mean, this is not directly related to the airport minute. The Detective was actually the prequel to Die Hard. Frank Sinatra was playing the John McCain, M- McLean role. And that, that, that la- the, the sequel movie to The Detective was Die Hard, and it just sat on the shelf for 20 years until hmm. Bruce Willis came along. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, Jacqueline Bissett is quite a uh, quite an actress in this movie. She really she has a difficult role. She has to pretend uh, as a 26 year old woman she's in love with 53 year old Dean Martin. It could happen. Yeah, it could. <laughs> if she likes the smell of coffee and Chesterfields in her face. <laughs> but she does good. She does a good job in this film, and she has to do. Yeah, she she gets to uh, smack. Uh, Smack Helen Hayes in the mouth. I mean, yeah. you get you get the kiss of fifty three year old and smack a seventy year old. So there's <laughs> there's your range. Now, Miss Hayes, I'm I'm going to smack you. I'll I'll try not to do it so hard. Wrong. Take eight. Take right. nine. Yeah. So it must. Is that your tooth on the floor? I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> oh gosh, but we'll be talking a lot more about uh, Jacqueline Bissett. She'll be coming up in. Uh, about ten minutes from now, it's her first appearance in the movie, so we'll we'll check uh-huh. we'll check back with her. But now we have to pause for the uh, the final single card of this movie, the legendary, the amazing George Kennedy. Yes, yes. With this film, he created an icon. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people in the aviation industry think about their hero Joe Petroni, and you couldn't have a Joe Petroni if you didn't have a George Kennedy. He made that role. He built it and. He, as it turned out, he was almost uh, inseparable from it. He he starred in this in this movie and in three subsequent sequels as Joe Petroni, doing completely different jobs, but the same character. Yeah, I loved him. He was always so big and blustery, and yet you knew he had a a, a heart of gold. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so many great movies: Dirty Dozen, Cool Hand Luke, and and I remember him uh, as uh, the uh, police officer. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was a bumper mm-hmm. in, was it the New Centurions? I can't remember the name of, yeah, he, he uh, I mean, he, he had a great TV role. And then after all this, after all this, uh, these dramatic roles where he was kind of, he was a funny guy in dramatic roles, but uh, then he wound up in all those naked gun movies. Oh my God, He yeah. was a sidekick yeah. with Leslie Nielsen and they were ideal for each other. And I bet, uh, I bet he he really loved doing that film. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, he was a guy that you you look at and you knew that he just wanted to go to work uh, every day. He he did. He always was on. He was always on point when he was when he was in these movies. You could feel that he stayed up nights reading the script. He, you know, knowing his lines, knowing how to deliver them. He came across really good. I mean, whether he he was even in. Uh, I remember him in a Hitchcock movie with uh, Cary Grant. He was in Charade, and he, he had to... Charade, that was a great movie. Yeah, and he had a fight with him like the, like the way Robert Shaw did with uh, with Sean Connery in uh, From Russia yeah. Love. It's a big, brawny fight scene. And in a lot of his early career, he played the bad guy, and yeah. I think this might... Maybe... You know, well, Cool Hand Luke, he was a good guy in that, but I think he'd only been a good guy in a couple of roles, and this was uh, this was one of his first, I think. By the way, it was the Blue Knight. The Blue Knight. TV series. Thank yeah. you. Yes. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, 
great, great, great TV show. He's, you know, just a, just a charming guy. You always, you always rooted for, for George Kennedy. I, I, one thing I did not know until recently when I read it on the internet, uh, he was originally up for the role of Lex Luthor in, uh, in Superman, but that role later went to, uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Trying Another, to, you know, phenomenal actor. Wow. I mean, I would have thought he would have gone for the Ned Beatty role, but yeah. You couldn't have two gigantic guys. The, no. The, uh, the Ned Beatty role had to be someone smaller and a little more subservient. Yeah, yeah. I remember him scurrying through that movie going, <laughs> yes, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> or uh, Gene Hackman's line in the movie, do you know why the number uh, 200 is so important to both of us? It's your weight and my IQ. But uh, that, <laughs> that'll be on our uh, Superman uh, minute moves minute yeah. when we eventually get in to that. Twenty twenty. Yeah. my Fruit Loops, but we'll still be doing these. <laughs> it'll be okay. It'll be called the Toothless Minute. We'll be, right. we'll be okay. We'll be doing it from the home. <laughs> but wow, yeah, George Kennedy. Uh, keep your eye on him. He'll be up also in about ten minutes. This the character that he creates here is unforgettable, and uh, you know, thank God, thank God, George Kennedy really made this movie what it was. Oh yeah. So uh, anyway, we're back to the. Uh, actually, this is the final card, I believe. The uh, first lady of the American cinema, Helen Hayes. Mm. Helen Hayes uh, turns in. Uh, you know, she was a little old lady, and she turns in the performance of a little old lady. So she was seventy years old at the time that they made this film. And uh, when you think about the kind of a grueling schedule that somebody her age has to put in on this and she's in most of the movie i mean from right from about maybe seven or eight minutes in and she goes right to the last scene and she has stuff where there's explosions and she has to mm. wrestle people and she has to well she, she had a great range i mean when she was uh you know, talking about uh, how she manages to get on planes you could see she was kind of wily and devious yeah, and she was really chewing up the scenery. I mean, every time she's on, she just does this like theatrical waves, and she looks frantic, and she's always putting her hand to her forehead and being the little old lady. She, she chewed scenery like uh, George Kennedy chewed cigars. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> that, yes, truly. <laughs> Uh, she's also uh, one of the rarities in uh, in American uh, theater. She's an EGOT winner. She has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So uh, that yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. And none of them were uh, like another underachiever. Yeah, <laughs> just just uh, walking into the grave slowly at the end. But she no, she really did stuff for a year. And she she did movies after Airport. Uh, it's just you know other people would just say okay I've had enough I'm gonna go uh, relax. But she kept going and uh, she was a real energizer bunny in the whole thing. Well, you know that there's no business like show business. No, no business I know. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> Uh, she is also uh, she holds the uh, uh, the honor of being the only member of the airport cast to be on a U.S. postage stamp. She was honored. Um, wow, we should, uh, I'm gonna find one of those on eBay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have a we'll have a link to that on the uh, on this on today's episode's page. We'll have a picture of that. She really uh, did a, a great job. She had two different theaters in Broadway named after her. They're both torn down now, but, you know, if you, you're you lucky to get one theater named after you and then have another one built when, you know, the old one uh, finished up. That's pretty cool. She was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. She didn't, did she get an Oscar for this one? Now, I can't remember. We'll do that in minute three. We'll find we'll it, yeah. We'll come that. back and have a have a fill-in for, for those. But she is in rare company in getting that, uh, that EGOT. Yeah. Let's talk about the final big name, Van Heflin. And, uh, 
keep I keep thinking Van Halen. Yeah, I know. Well, there he was with uh, uh, Michael Anthony. The, the <laughs> she, you know, Van Heflin, uh, notorious heavy. He was probably the biggest thing that everybody remembers him for is uh, being the bad guy in Shane. Uh, yeah. He was. He came across really bad. I mean, he wasn't quite six feet tall, but he just came across as this big lumbering oaf that, uh, you know, meant... He kind of snarled his way through this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. He was not not a very sociable person. He came across as just being friendly enough to get through, you know, buying insurance and, uh, you know, get, <laughs> taking the last dollar from his wife. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to it, but he's just yeah. just not very nice. Had a very long career. He was in 310 to Yuma. Of course, we said Shane. He was in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Uh, he was also in... Uh, yeah, there's, too, there's too many movies to name, but uh, basically if you go to IMDb and just start looking down the uh, the retinue of you know, Van Heflin, you'll see at least, I'd say, 30 or 40 films under his uh, work. Also a big radio star. He was uh, the star of NBC uh, radios. Uh, he played Philip Marlowe. And uh, he did that in the 40s and was you know basically the voice of Philip Marlowe, which I've heard... I've heard tapes of the show, and he kind of he was uh, Van Heflin doing Humphrey Bogart. Mm. So if you want to hear an interesting uh, impersonation of Bogart, look that up on YouTube. I think there's a couple of old ones out there. You know, it's what's interesting about uh, a movie made in 1970 is the people working on it. Their careers stretch back to the 20s. Yeah, uh, uh, it's you know just the the amount of history working on this film is is just uh, amazing. Yeah, H- Helen Hayes was in the silent years. I mean, think about how far back. You know, she was mm-hmm. she was a contemporary. She, her one of her friends I know was uh, William Gillette, who I know we think of Arthur Conan Doyle as inventing Sherlock Holmes, but when we think of the Sherlock Holmes, the guy that wears the deerstalker cap and the pipe, right, right, William Gillette. William yeah, he invented that character, and she was buddies with him she you know she'd go to his shows and stuff and here she is on you know in a movie about jet planes mm. so quite an itinerary uh, for for the cast here yeah so now we're getting into the uh the also starrings uh, there's a new there's a new scene on the green with a bunch of mm. more snow plows first one up is maureen stapleton most people know her as Jean Staples' sister, but she was gigantic on Broadway. She was she, she was in a bunch of uh, of plays on Broadway for I don't know how long, decades. I saw her in uh, a performance as the mother of the Glass Menagerie and did a great job. It was funny when she she was in the show, she had hurt her knee. She had an ACL uh, problem, and they made an announcement before the program that uh, Miss Stapleton had injured her knee. And what she wants you to do is when she comes on stage. She wants you to stare intently at the bandage on her leg and then forget all about it while we do the rest of the play. And sure <laughs> enough, everybody did that. We all just like, wow, look, she hurt her ACL. Wow. And, you know, that was about it. You forgot about it. And then she kind of worked it into the play that she was, you know, damaged and was and she did the rest of the play as the mother. And it came across very well, very professional. I mean, gosh, you know, the show must go on was, I think, her motto. Yeah. And she gave a great performance in this. Yeah. Film. Funny thing about it, too, is that she... <laughs> She did not. She had. A, she was a fear of heights, and she didn't travel by air, and she never even took elevators. She always took the stairs. She was afraid of flying in the air. Wow. So, <laughs> although she doesn't get to get on a plane in this one, <laughs> right? She probably had that written yeah, into her contract. No, no planes. I'll go down the ramp, but I'm not on the plane. <laughs> That's as far as I go, and this far, no further. Uh, she won Best Supporting Actress, uh, not for this particular movie, but she's big in the Oscars. Uh, she won. Uh, she won for Reds, and her most uh, memorable line from her speech is, "I would like to thank everyone I've ever met." <laughs> A very, very thankful woman. 
I didn't, her, never met her, so I wasn't included. Somebody asked her what her role as an actress was, and she said, my main job is to keep the audience awake. And I think she does a really good job of that in here. You just, by the time we get to the end, Mrs. Guerrero, her character is a Mrs. Inez Guerrero. By the time we get to the end, you just feel really sorry for her. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you feel as bad as, well, don't want to spoil it. You, uh, you'll watch the movie and see how she does, but. Gosh, the situation she's in by the end of this movie is just pretty horrific, and I don't. Well, Again, we'll talk. She, she shows a great range in the film, you know, going from loving wife to uh, <laughs> to grieving wife, I suppose. Grieving wife, to, yeah. Uh, but, so uh, we'll talk about her through the through this entire thing, yeah. but yeah, some someone to look forward to. She really there really aren't that many bad. I, I actually I can only think of a couple. Well, we'll talk with them later. Generally, in, in the background of the credits is snow removal and. And uh, businessmen coming out of the airport and scraping their cars. And I, I watched that, and I'm like, man, thank God I don't live in the Northeast anymore. Uh, yes, I hated yeah. that. Hated it. Uh, well, just just to give uh, our listeners a location, uh, Mark's in Hollywood, and I'm in Texas, so we are both free of snow. And uh, so if you're listening to this during a snowy season, we're, we grieve for you, but we're not we're not doing that anymore. Served our time in the snow belt. Yes. And uh, the, the, next, uh, the next name coming up is... Uh, I think we're going to have a, a long talk about this fellow because this is, although Mark hasn't met uh, Maureen Stapleton, I think he will have uh, some interesting stories about Mr. Barry Nelson. Oh, yes. Who uh, plays Anson Harris, the uh, pilot in command of uh, the 707 today. Barry has a fantastically varied career, everything from uh, The Shining to, well, another another popular role that, uh, that he started. So, uh, I, Mark, I'll let you tell a little bit more about it. He was... Uh... He was the actual, the very first James Bond in a live uh, TV presentation of Casino Royale, and he was known as Jimmy Bond. And American, too. I mean, that was... Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got a chance to interview him back in the 90s, and uh, I just remember him saying that it was difficult, that, that he had to, you know, the blocking, and you had to get to a certain spot and avoid the furniture and everything. But uh, he did it. And I remember when he walked into the uh, the office, I was working at HBO at the time, he uh, he was wearing a coonskin hat. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of man to wear a coonskin hat, and he pulled it off. The Davy Crockett auditions were down yeah. the hall? Or, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he uh, d- did he say anything about originating the role? I mean, how did he feel about being the first James Bond? You know, I think uh, this a number of years ago, but I think it was a job. You know, hey, yeah, I'll do this. And, uh, you know, he's a trained actor and a very good actor. And uh, he, I think he did say he, he enjoyed the movies that came out, you know, a few years later in the 60s. Yeah. I mean, imagine trying to do James Bo- a James Bond movie live. You know, you're running around, the sets are changing. Peter Lurie was the villain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's still available, I think, on a couple of... Uh... On a couple of DVDs, they they usually tack on the. Uh, it was climax, I think, was the name yeah, of the show. Yeah, 1954. Yeah, wow. Wow, a full hour. I mean, that's you can't. There's nowhere to hide. You have to be able to deliver. Yeah, and uh, he did the job, and you know he was working from from then. I mean, and that he was already an established actor at the time, and. You think he did all that? He made it to airport in 1970, and then a decade later. He was uh, the guy that hires Jack Nicholson in the in The Shining. Right, right. Yeah. So just a fantastic career, and and you said he still you know he still had his uh his own sense of humor and stuff, but 
I guess he didn't care by the time. No, by the time no. He met him. when you're walking around Manhattan wearing a coonskin hat, you really don't care. Yeah, you're you're your own man. That's what... Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, uh, we're getting into the uh, the double feature cards now. We have uh, first up is uh, Donna Winter, who plays uh, Burt Lancaster's icy wife in this movie. Uh, turns in a very admirable performance as a very unlikable person. She was originally born uh, Dagmar Winter, and uh, Donna Winter was in a bunch of films too. You know, I mean, all these people are, are veterans. There are no newcomers. Well, with even you know, even Jacqueline Bisset had been in a couple of films before this. She was in like uh, like Barry Nelson. She was in a bunch of live TV shows. She was in Playhouse 90 and things like that. Really fascinating, difficult role. That you know, it it must be difficult. Like it's it's easy to play a villain, but it's not. She's not a a real villain. She's more like just the the dislikable character. She was just somebody you didn't like in the movie. She was the one that you booed at, but not not quite a villain. But she did a good job in the movie. Well, you know, she wanted to go to those uh, uh, hoi polloi events, and oh. uh, a bird had work to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. She, so she's left in the mansion all alone. Yeah, on next to those twin beds. Well, we'll we'll talk about all this in probably next week is when they'll be uh, they'll be going up. But she is definitely somebody to watch. Watch how carefully she does her role. She, and also remember that a lot of her role she's playing by herself. A lot of scenes that you'll see she's just on a phone and there's nobody else around. She has to keep acting like she's being one-upped by Burt Lancaster and you know, she's probably just standing around with the sound guy and the cameraman and the director, you know, second unit director going, keep it going, keep it going. Does a uh, does an adequate job uh, selling selling her role. We'll be keeping an eye on Donna Winter through this and she'll be coming up shortly. She she appears very early in the film. Let's see. Next up is another one of those that guy actors, a fellow that you can spot in a lot of films as a character actor, he, Lloyd Nolan. And uh, oh yeah, Lloyd him. Nolan was uh, he usually plays like a doctor or a police officer, or some kind of professional guy. And he, uh, <laughs> I think, I think people our age uh, probably remember him most from the Polygrip commercials. He was always talking about not having loose teeth as an actor. That was probably pretty good money for him, if because he wasn't doing movies when uh, you know later on in the uh, in the seventies. So he he had a good career in commercial television. He was in uh, a bunch of science fiction movies. He was on. He, oh, he was in Ice Station yeah. Zebra. He was the admiral in the ice in Ice Station Zebra. Yep. He he's also in a later disaster movie, Universal's Earthquake. We'll we'll see. Him. Yeah. Earthquake, and, right. And uh, a right. bunch of TV shows. So you, if if you see a movie and Lloyd Nolan's in it, it's probably going to be a pretty good film. So keep an eye for him. He does a good job in this, but I get the feeling, uh, when I'm watching this movie, I keep getting the feeling that he shot all of his stuff in like two days. And he... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny, it filtered through the prism of, of going to the airport today. I mean, he plays a security guard in the film and he's just kind of watching people yeah, go and, back and, and forth. There was really no strip yeah, and the, search and the big, your The belt, big worry for uh, him is whether or not people are smuggling diamonds into the country. You know, it's nothing about bombs and guns and, yeah. you know, all kinds of uh, devices. It's more like, well, find out if she's hiding. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that too in the, in the near future. It was a, it was a kinder, gentler time. It was, it was a, dear sweeter time when you could just you could wave wave away to people at the gate as they were yeah. or, or even walk down you walk could. down and return their uh missing wallets well, <laughs> so we'll we'll be seeing more of that next up we're still watching the uh, conga line of snowplows going by and uh, the next two on the list are barbara hale and gary collins 
Barbara Hale being best known for her role as Della Street, Perry Mason's secretary on uh, uh, opposite Raymond Burr in the uh, 1950s, 60s Perry Mason show. And Mm -hmm. uh, she did a good job of that. In this movie, she's 47. I don't know about you, but when I was looking at her in this movie, 47, she looked... She looked a lot older than the 47-year-olds I know. Maybe that was just because we saw this when we were kids. She just kind of, maybe it's the hair or something like that. She's the just, lighting. Yeah, and she has basically two scenes. Uh, one's in a car and one's mm. uh, one's uh, in the waiting room. So I think she was probably there for maybe a week of shooting tops. She she didn't even have to get out of the car in the first. Yeah, as they, as they say, they shot her out in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably just worked around it. Can you be in? A friend of mine uh, directed uh, Rodney Dangerfield in a TV commercial, and he said Dangerfield suddenly started going, Paul, you got to shoot me out. Just shoot me out. <laughs> <laughs> that means get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the uh, best piece of trivia about Barbara Hale is if you ever watch The Greatest American Hero, she was the uh, mother of Bill Cat, who's uh, the star of Greatest American Hero. That was, you know... <laughs> In terms of family relations, that's that's her big claim to fame. Let's see. And we also have Gary Collins, who was, I think he was, wasn't he on Good Morning America? He had a couple of TV shows. He was on, he had done acting jobs, and then he was on a bunch of TV shows. Uh, he was most famous for marrying uh, Miss America, Marianne Mobley. Mm. He did a lot of charity work with March of Dimes. Later, later in life, he did a lot. He was nominated for an Emmy Award six times. Wow. And he won in 83. For uh, outstanding talk show host. Yeah, that's right. yeah. He did a lot of talk shows. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Always helpful. Uh, everybody's yeah. just a click away. Yeah, and he uh, passed away sometime uh, recently, 2012. He died in uh, 2012 of natural causes. So there you go. Um, and a native Californian. So let's see. We'll be seeing him. He plays the navigator on uh, Trans Global Flight Two, and so we mostly see him over Dean Martin's shoulder, which is a tough role trying to act, you know, go Gary. And so watch, watch for uh, Gary Collins's head just behind Dean Martin mm. for most of the movie. So next we're seeing a bunch of sanding trucks uh, driving away from the camera. And there's like these little torches hanging off the bottom of the sanding trucks, burning holes in the runway. Do they really do that? I, maybe they, they did. Maybe back they then. did back then. You know, they're probably spraying a, a, the asbestos lined uh, runways. We've got a whole bunch of people here. John Finlater, Jesse Royce Landis, Larry Gates, Peter Turgeon, and shout out to Miss Landis. She was in North by Northwest, one of my favorite yeah, films. Yeah, and she was playing uh, Carrie Grant's Carrie's mother, mother, and she was like three or four years uh, older. I forget what it was. It was some uh, just like wow. Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, quite quite a gal. Yeah, she was great. Well, first we'll talk about John Finlater, who is uh, still in the Los Angeles area. And Mr. Finlater, if you're hearing this, please uh, write to us. We would love to have you on the show. He did. We'll give uh, you a free T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> first, we have to print the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, he was uh, a regular on Peyton Place, the uh, prime time soap opera of the '60s. He was also married to a Catherine Mary Stewart, who was in um, the Last Starfighter. Right. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, we'll be seeing him. He plays Peter Coakley, the inept assistant to uh, Gene Seberg's uh, Tanya Livingston. So we'll be seeing a lot of him uh, goofing things up. He's kind of the ebb uh, from Green Acres of the series here. <laughs> or if you know Kenneth on 30 Rock, that's uh, pretty much the same character that he's playing here, uh, minus the accent. And anyway, we're get- getting back to Jesse Royce Landis. She, you know, the funny thing is not only did she play Cary Grant's mother in North by Northwest, she played Grace Kelly's mother in To Catch a Thief. So, wow. Big time on the uh, Hitchcock. So she was in with Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, she must have been an ice blonde or something. Now, the weirdest part of this, she's four years older than Helen Hayes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Woof. And uh, I think this was her last film. She, uh, she passed away in uh, 1972 in Danbury, Connecticut. She does a great job. She really knows how to do that blue blood, uh, put up, stuck up thing. Uh, that great line in the opening of uh, uh, North by Northwest where she turns to the two murderers and says, uh, my son thinks you're trying to kill him. And they all laugh. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What a great film. Uh, uh, but that's a different film. Yeah, that's a different film. That'll be on the North by Northwest Minute. Uh, tune in in 2035. Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get there eventually. I'll be gumming my way through that one. <laughs> and uh, well, we'll just keep repeating the same things. Don't worry; it'll be all the same minute for us. Let's see. Oh, next up, we really have to talk about my favorite character actor, bar none, Mr. Wit Bissell. Oh yes, yes, Wit creature from the Black Lagoon, Bissell. Yes, and I was a teenage werewolf. He was. It basically, if it had giant bugs running around in it or something that was crawling that they had to destroy, he was either the, the professor, the mad doctor, or the the general that was involved. I mean, who can forget him in Irwin Allen's time tunnel? You know, he, he was the military guy in charge of the time tunnel. He was also in uh, Star Trek in the tr- Trouble with Tribbles. He ran uh, the space station on the Trouble with Tribbles episode. It's just, you know, anytime he's... If you see Whit Bissell in the movie, you know it's going to be great science fiction. He's always in charge. Uh, he's usually the good guy. He was the bad guy, and I was a teenage werewolf because that was the that was the one where he turned Michael Landon into a werewolf. He just nails every part that he has. You know, maybe we can try and get his daughter on this. I, w- I would love if You're... if she uh, would, would call in. I've sent some uh, emails, and hopefully if, if any members of the Bissell family are out there, I would love to talk about your dad. So uh, please contact us through airportminute.com or uh, Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, Whip Bissell doesn't have a lot of lines in this one, but he plays it well. Uh, he comes across as a very professional oboist, just to have some good straight lines for uh, Helen Hayes to knock off. A good. Uh, I loved when he put on his uh, his uh, earplugs and just just reclined, <laughs> like enough, enough. Uh, he, he's another one of those guys that probably knocked his section out. I mean, he only had one. He didn't even have to move in his. Well, he had to, he, yeah. he had to move seats once. I would bet two days. Yeah, easily. That's that's you know walk, work it through lunch. We uh, we get to the end of those little you know the little double credits, and now we're going to go through the the wall of uh, character actors. So uh, next up, we've got Virginia Gray, Eileen Wesson, Paul Picurney, Robert Patton, Clark Howitt, Lou Brown, Ileana Dowding, and Lisa Gerritsen. Uh, briefly, Virginia Gray plays uh, the young guy with the horn-rimmed glasses, Skyler, his mom. She was a friend of Ross Hunter and was in most of it. He was, she was kind of his good luck charm, so she was in a lot of his movies. She was close friends with uh, John Bassalone, who was the uh, Medal of Honor recipient who was killed at uh, Iwo Jima. And she also had an, an on-again, off-again relationship with Clark Gable. So watch for Skyler's mom. He's, you know, he, she doesn't really have any lines. She just kind of calls the captain over once. But uh, when you see Skyler, look at his mom, and that's uh, the history lesson of Virginia Gray. Jim, you have been mining the internet. I'm trying to do my best, and uh, I've also been updating IMDb when they miss some of these things, but we'll see. Uh, Eileen Wesson plays uh, Judy Barton, who is uh, Lloyd Nolan's niece in the movie. She was in the movie Destination Moon. She was uh, Dick Wesson's daughter, if you ever watched Destination Moon. She has another part. That was the only other thing I could think of of note. Um... Paul Picurney 
uh, is Dr. Compagno, the guy that treats, uh, well, uh, treats one of the main characters in the movie, was in House of Wax. He was, uh, he was the guy that wasn't Charles Bronson. He was another, you know... <laughs> One of the heads, one of the one of the assist. I think he, yeah, I think he gets killed. He's one of the younger guys. Mm. To, uh, watch for watch for Paul Picerni in uh, in House of Wax. The pilot of Flight Forty Five, which we're going to see before the week is out, Robert Patton. He plays Captain Benson. He he's always in movies where he's flying something. He was in Twelve O'clock High with uh, Gregory Peck, and he was, I think, the co-pilot. And then later on, he was in Black Sunday, where he's flying the uh, Goodyear Blimp. Oh, uh, the Blimp. So he was. <laughs> it's just. Don't let this guy behind the wheel because something bad's going to happen to whatever he's flying. They're either going to get shot at or you know, or go off the runway or have their blimp blown up. And Clark Howitt is in this. Uh, he plays the good guy sheriff in Billy Jack. He's uh, Tanya Livingston's boss in this movie. Great character actor. You'll he's another one of those who's that guy. You'll you'll see him in a million movies. Really pulled in a major job in Billy Jack. I remember those uh, those movies, you know, from high school, and and uh, I remember the sequel. Oh yeah, trial trial of Billy Jack. Yeah, and 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 I think Tom Laughlin took out a, like a full page ad in the trades, and it said Billy Jack declares war on the critics. <laughs> That's always and a great it was move. Like the critics raved about, you know, and then a bunch of foreign movies. He goes, now how many of those do you want to rush out and see? And I thought that was pretty ballsy of him <laughs> to do that. Yeah, he uh, yeah he had quite a quite a run them yeah and you know billy jack made a fortune too i mean really pulled it in (sighs) oh well uh next up lou brown who plays danny at the snow desk he's everywhere he's in a bunch of different tv if if you watch tv in the 70s he was always on some cop show he's always playing cops he's always the guy that doesn't you know all right what's this then he's he's always the disbelieving guy and he just has that kind of face and he has that kind of delivery and he does the same thing here so we'll be watching for snow desk one of my favorite characters in this movie Ileana Dowding is the older Bakersfield daughter who just mostly mopes through this uh, movie she's in a bunch of flashbacks and I think she gets one scene where she's actually talking to Burt Lancaster and it's just saying hi dad bye dad and hangs up a phone and then her little Mm. split screen disappears but you know hey it's work she got a paycheck it's a credit keep the keep the sag card open that's where it is her little sister in this show Libby uh, is played by Lisa Gerritsen uh, Lisa's big claim to fame was she was Cloris Leachman's daughter in Phyllis, the spin-off show from Mary Tyler Moore show. She had a career going in their teenage years. I think she's out of it like most actresses. She's probably in real estate or something. Uh, you can look it up on IMDb, but she's gone on to real world yeah. things. Let's see. Now we have another scene comes up and it's more ice melting fire trucks burning down the runway and, you know, wiping out the snow until later. So we've got Jim Nolan, Patty Paulson, Ina Hartman, Malia St. Deval, Sharon Harvey, Albert Reed, and Jodine Russo. Jim Nolan has one very memorable role here as Father Steve Lonigan. We, we we will not go over that until the minute comes, but it is it's probably the signature scene of this entire movie. It's the one that everyone remembers. So watch for a Jim Nolan's big role. Doesn't doesn't even have a line, but just it he very good delivery. Let's say yeah, exactly. More of a smack. The next four people on the list there: Patty Paulson, Ina Hartman, Malia Saint Deval, and Sharon Harvey all play stewardesses uh, for this movie. Patty Paulson, the blonde stewardess Joan, she was a real-life American Airlines stewardess. She was uh, one of American Airlines' most well-known stewardesses in the 60s and 70s. She appeared in a lot of their 
advertising. If you look through their flagship news or their uh, on, you know, their magazines, she was always in it uh, with I Am American Airlines underneath her. She did a bunch of things besides this. She was always modeling and you know, they're showing her next to airplanes and stuff. So they usually interviewed her when they needed somebody to talk about being a stewardess. Um, Ina Hartman, Malia St. Deval, Sharon Harvey had varied careers in a bunch of foreign movies. None of them uh, are of name. Uh, Albert Reed, uh, who plays a cop in the show, she uh, he was actually he used to be a cop and then he became an actor. That never happens. No, you know, these things go. Uh, Jodine Russo who uh, was Jodine Lawrence in this one. She plays, he played, she played Marie Petroni. Uh, she passed away in 2010. Not a lot of uh, uh, things under her belt other than assorted Jack Webb productions, Adam 12 and uh, Dragnet, things like that. We've got tons of other people, but uh, just, just hit the highlights. The next bunch up that come up are Nancy Ann Wilson, Dick Winslow, Lou Wagner, Janice Hansen, Mary Jackson, Shelley Novak, Chuck Daniel and Charles Brewer. Nancy Ann Nelson, I don't know which one she is. She played Bunny, but I can't figure out. She's either uh, an insurance girl or somebody else that isn't named, so we won't go with her. Uh, Dick Winslow, who plays Skyler's dad, was in John Wayne's last movie, The Shootist. He was, great uh, film. Great I think film. A bar yeah, great film. Uh, Lou Wagner, who plays Skyler, the know-it-all, uh, smart-alecky kid with the horn-rimmed glasses. You may know him as the young ape that was talking to... Charlton Heston at the end of Planet of the Apes. He's uh, he's mm. still in the business, and maybe we can have him on. Uh, Mr. Wagner, if you're listening, please let us have you there. Janice Hansen, who is the nurse nun that helps out Dr. Compagno, uh, she was originally a Playboy bunny. And a beautiful one at that. Yes. You can also see her as uh, probably her most famous role, Tony Randall's or uh, Felix Unger's wife or ex-wife on uh, The Odd Couple. So she had a quite a run on ABC. Uh, she's currently a uh, management uh, talent management uh, agent in Hollywood, and hopefully we can have her on the show. So we'll see. Mary Jackson, who was the other nun in this, the older nun that uh, drinks with uh, Helen Hayes. She was one of the Baldwin sisters on the uh, TV show The Waltons. Shelley Novak, who's the guy that said that. Uh, yeah, that thing was imp- he, he gave all the straight lines to Petroni. He's the co-pilot for Petroni later on in the movie. He was uh, from Venice, California, and also a football player. He played with the San Diego Chargers and then wound up in uh, in movies. Uh, this is one of his few lines. Uh, Chuck Daniel and Charles Brewer. I am not sure who they are. We will try to track down what characters they played. If they're on the internet, we will find them somewhere out there. And if they're still alive, please check in with us, and we will get you on our little podcast, and you can tell us all about your days in airport. In the meantime, that's the end of uh, minute two. Thanks for staying with us so long. Uh, you can reach out to us, uh, however you are on the social networks. You can get us on Twitter at Airport Minute. You can get us on Facebook at Airport Minute. You can visit our website, airportminute.com. We'd be happy to hear from you. Please like us, like our podcast on iTunes. Uh, We really need to be liked. We do. We need liking. We need subscriptions. We need just, you know, we're not doing this for money. Uh, please pay attention to that. You We're know, not home video. No, it's. Are you kidding me? It's all gratis. This is our work of charity for people trapped in their cars, listening to things and trying to find out what else is on besides NPR podcasts. It's us. So please. <laughs> Uh, comment, like us, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, I think we're also on SoundCloud. So check in there. In the meantime, please uh, send us some feedback. Let us know what you feel, how you feel about the show. We will be back tomorrow, Wednesday, 
with Minute 3, where we'll be talking about the company that made all these different colors available to us, a lot of technical information, hopefully a guest star uh, that will tell us about the uh, technical end of making this movie. Thank you. Have a good Tuesday evening, and uh, we will talk again tomorrow. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again tomorrow. And all right, over and out. Good day. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Thank <laughs> you.